0: what is going on everyone welcome to another episode of injured reserve podcast with your host me myself and i mitchell anderson let's jump right into it people less than about give or take three weeks to go NBA 2K20 is about to release and recently they just unveiled their rosters for the all decades teams from the 80s to basically now, right? And I definitely I don't I don't personally when it comes to sports games, I don't place pre-orders that much cuz it's basically I think most of us can agree it's basically the same damn game as the year prior, just the <laughs> Just a new year. Um, so, personally, I can't tell you what they've done different. I haven't played the uh, 2K since like 17, I think. So, like I said, I don't stay up to task. I bought the new Madden last year and it wasn't too shabby. I don't plan on getting another one. Uh, like I said, it's very rare. Every three, four years, I, I grab one. So, but this year, you know, it's special because Dwayne Wade's on the front cover. So, that's just. He's one of my all-time favorite NBA players, probably top five. So definitely nabbing that, him on the front cover just you know, for special occasions. So anyhow, they released the All-Decades teams. And for the 1980s, they have Michael Jordan, Mike, uh, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Moses Malone, Kevin McHale. Then the 90s, they have John Stockton, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. Karl Malone and Hakeem Olajuwon, then the 2000s: Allen Iverson, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Tim Duncan, Shaquille O'Neal, and 2010: Steph Curry, James Harden, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Dwight Howard. Now, recently in my previous episode, the NBA did a thing of you know of the 2010s first, second, third team. And how I disagreed with the you know, Harden and uh, uh, Kawhi Leonard, and how the 2010s should have been Dwayne Wade and Kobe Bryant. Now we're in a similar scenario here. So the 2000s, for the most part, of the 80s and 90s, I you know I can deal with that, and I agree for the most part. Um, so with the 2000s though. Allen Iverson, well deserved, most definitely. He was the one of the most talked about athletes when it comes to the NBA. Just you know, for his size and for so much to accomplish, he was able to, you know, revolutionize the game just for small point guards. Before the Derrick Rose, you know, there was Allen Iverson, a guy like that of that stature, six foot, barely 170 pounds, and be able to cross over. Being infamous for him doing that to Michael Jordan back in 98 in his rookie year. And just him just being him. To take the body shots and the blows before the NBA got weak and soft nowadays. He was just different. You know, the the tattoos, the arm sleeves. Winning MVP. Carrying his teams to the NBA Finals back in 2001. Before losing in five against the Lakers, but the fact that he was able to do so much with so little support, really, Dikembe Mutombo, he had, he had, you know, he helped a little bit with that team, but we all know Dikembe was pretty much on his way out. Eric Snow was somewhat decent, but he was known for his being defensive, and that was really about it. He had coach Coach Brown before he left to go to Detroit. And ultimately winning a title there. But either way, that was about it. So, A.I. well deserved for that 2000 spot. Kobe Bryant, of course, we all know. Him winning triple titles with Shaq. Setting that dynasty in L.A. for a bit. Making their presence well known at the time. LeBron James. Not coming into the NBA until a little around... I believe it was at what, 06, 07? Give or take. But him... Making his presence known and being on the cover of SI or whatever you want to call it. Having the spotlight on him ever since he was 18 till now. And, you know, the rest is history with him. Tim Duncan, of course, one of the most quiet and probably the franchise. A lot of people regard him and the rest of the Spurs organization pretty quiet, kind of timid. Greg Popovich, Bruce Bowen. Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, Robert Ory. Them winning their titles here and there in the 2000s and a few in 2010s. So definitely well-respected Tim Duncan. Definitely him winning a MVP and finals MVP. Spurs were a force to be reckoned with. They ultimately stopped that back-to-back Possible back-to-back ships when they faced the Detroit Pistons and Big, Sh- Big Shot Bob hitting one of his infamous shots, and I think I believe it was Game Six. I can't remember. My memory's a little hazy on that one, but nonetheless, there's no re- there's a reason why they call Robert Ori Big Shot Bob. So Tim Duncan, well deserved. Shaquille O'Neal, obviously for another force to be reckoned with. Just for him, changing the game as a big man. We don't know the big game, the center, the power forwards as it is now. Nowadays, the center of power forward can pull up from three, like a Dirk Nowinski or Kevin Durant. But now, back then, Shaq, they, man, they called him Diesel for a reason. There was no stopping this dude. He's just a brute force, seven foot, well over 300 pounds. It's just All he had to do was get him near the rim and just bat, you know, you can't stop him. A force like that is just, it's almost like an Andre the Giant just down low in the post and let let the man go to work. The issues, uh, the 2010s and the Steph Curry, James Harden, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Dwight Howard. Here's where things get a little iffy and I disagree. I don't believe James Harden should be on there. Um, I also, you know, it's kind of it's. I believe Dwayne Wade de- deserves that spot, and you know, it's tough because uh, it's up. It's a toss up between him and Kobe, but the most accomplished out of the 2010s was Dwayne Wade. Kobe, you know, they he won his two titles, but was before the 2010s, so. I believe Dwayne Wade deserves more respect than what is given. He, he should be on the 2010s. James Harden didn't really come big into the picture till around the mid-2010s. You know, it started the 2010s. LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, they, were, they went to four consecutive finals to start that era. So the fact that, again, NBA 2K and NBA itself, you know, when they had their old decades team, uh, first, second, third team, and now NBA 2K having their all-decades team. I feel like it's very disrespectful. Uh, James Harden, as great as he is, you know, as talented, and I think for the most part, I think he gets more hate than for the most part. But we all know the only problem is is that his his struggle near when it comes to clutch scenarios and playoffs, he just can't get the job done. And it's shown in this previous year and the year before that against Golden State. Dwayne Wade deserves to be on that 2010 spot, no doubt. I mean, Dwight Howard could be up for a debate. Uh, honestly, it could go to Tim Duncan again. Because, you know, they, he, they won titles too. You know, they went to the finals. They faced the Heat not once but twice. So, but then again you know Tim Duncan didn't finish out the 2010s era retiring about 2 3 years ago so i guess you can give that to Dwight Howard but the fact that they're going to give the spot James Harden over Dwayne Wade and give him that snub i don't agree with uh you know Dwayne Wade he he was the one of the pivotal reasons why LeBron has two, two all two those three title rings in his career resume so I just don't understand the underappreciation and just how the, the blasphemy and the disrespect that the NBA, these analysts give Dwayne Wade. I don't get why people act as if, you know, LeBron James didn't have a partner in crime. It, it's just, again, it always comes to this this quote-unquote GOAT debate But we all know, from my personal opinion, that GOAT debate's dead. It's dead and gone. It's been dead for a couple years now. With the team that LeBron James had in Miami, if they won four consecutive titles, then there would be a reason for debate. Possibly. Possibly. And that's just because of the level of talent that they had at that time. As I said before, the Miami Heat, during the early 2010s, they were Golden State before we know Golden State. Other than that, that rest of that Steph Curry well deserved. The way how he was able to you know revolutionize the point guard position. Again, it was almost it was in the sense like of Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson, very small, not big, but very athletic. Had the handles like crazy. Uh, the way people regard Kyrie Irving for his ball skills, the same way they regard Allen Iverson. Now with Steph Curry, you know, this man could pull up from 35, 38 feet and drain a three. The same thing we're seeing. Instead, the ball, the ball for the point guard position is no longer driving down the hole or uh, dinking and Diamond dashing, making plays, making assists. It's just, it's all about, you know, be able to pull up from three and how far you can. Having the ability to shoot. Things of that nature. It's more just being command and control at the point guard position now. So Steph Curry being able to do what he does. It's times are different now for that position. As I said, it's just like the center position or the power forwards. You see these guys and they can they can pull from three now too. So times are changing. So as the older we get, things develop and times change for each little position here and there. It's almost, in a sense, with the NFL, like the quarterback position. Quarterbacks are becoming a little bit more athletic, being able to be more versatile, be able to throw more on the run, like a Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. Brady, not so much, but still the fact he's able to stay calm in the, in the pocket for the most part and still make plays. So the fact that he's been able to do this for so long at his age is even more impressive on his legacy. But not to get too sidetracked, Steph Curry well-deserved on that position. Dwight Howard, debatable. James Harden, I totally disagree. That position deserves the Dwayne Wade. LeBron James, of course. Kevin Durant, most definitely. But... Um, you know, either way, hey, that's NBA 2K for you. Uh, I got on pre-order, so I'm pretty hyped about that. Less than three weeks to go. And um, <laughs> it'll probably be the same game as I played three, four years ago. But for the most part, you know, I'm, I'm excited. So I don't even know what team I'm going to mess with. I don't even know what modes they have nowadays. People are talking about the my teams and these perks and these cards or whatever. I mean, I don't even know what game modes they have nowadays. I couldn't even tell you. I know they have that my player. I played that. And that was pretty sweet. But uh, we'll see how that goes. <coughs> uh, but to change topics in Switch Sports, recently reports that Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys did. Uh, he was offered a thirty thirty million dollar contract for extension to re-sign with Dallas, and he turned it down. And it's report that he wants forty mil. Now, I I I done a case on him before, and he's he I can't remember the exact numbers, but he's around four and four without Ezekiel Elliott, and so. The thing with Dak Prescott is he's a good quarterback and he deserves respect, no doubt about it but the f- the contract he's asking for isn't exactly worth that much um you know twenty two touchdowns eight picks last year, not bad, but he's very conservative, he doesn't want to make mistakes, he's well aware um of you know where he stands at as a leader in that organization. So and they still got Ezekiel Elliott holding out and Amari Cooper, he's been pretty quiet. So either way, three of these players, they both they all three want to get paid. And looking at Dak, you know, his rookie year Making sparks, not a lot of film training on him. so he, there was a reason why he was be able to throw 23 touchdowns and only four interceptions. but you know the year after that 22 and 13, 22 and eight, he's he's not exactly that 40 mil worth. He, you know he's not pulling a Patrick Mahomes, you know I mean he's if it, if he was putting up you know between 30 and 40 touchdowns, and maybe twelve to fourteen picks that, and was throwing over forty-five hundred yards or four thousand yards. Then I say most definitely. But he's the he threw for thirty-eight hundred yards last year. That was his career high. And so, as I said, you know he's not making any kind of recognition where it makes you think like, ah, eh, he deserves that money. Last year, Patrick Mahomes, five thousand yards, fifty touchdowns, twelve interceptions. I mean, if Patrick Mahomes was to do that for the next two years, and he wants 40, 45 mil a year, then I'd say pay the man most definitely. No, putting up numbers like that, I would. You know, I would say I totally agree with him. I would hold out too if I was putting up numbers like that, well deserving of his money, but. Dallas, yes, they made the playoffs last year, but they lost yet again. So he's 0-2 in his career, and yes, he's still somewhat young, granted, but this is going into his fourth season now. So who knows? But they, you really got you got to question this. If a guy like that wants 40 mil, what other teams are willing to put out that much money to grab him if he says, I want to leave Dallas? Say he puts up, 25 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. And they possibly say they get a wild card berth and they lose again. So now you're 0-3 in the playoffs. And it's just like, yeah, he's a good quarterback, but it's just like, eh. Like I said, the performance of him is iffy considering the fact that a lot of that pressure was taken off of him because of Ezekiel Elliott, who was getting 250 to 300 carries a season, getting over 1,000 yards a carry, or not a carry, excuse me, 1,000 yards a season, getting 10, 15 touchdowns, whatever it may be, taking that pressure off. Before they got Amari Cooper, Dallas was struggling. They were hurting last year, but they got him. They didn't so they got him a go-to receiver, so I'll give him that because they didn't really have anyone to look to. They had Miles Austin at best, and now Jason Winton is the only uh guy they really picked up for when it comes to their offense. But and he just re, he just came off a one year retirement, so we don't know how he's gonna be, especially at a 36-year-old tight end. But man, 30 mil, I could see. Okay, 40 mil, Uh, 0-2 playoff record, is, you know, 22 touchdowns, 13 picks the season prior, 22 touchdowns, 8 picks. It's not bad, but it's not like, oh, wow, like, MVP-like money. See what I'm saying? So... He's very conservative. He doesn't want to make mistakes, so when he doesn't, he just, you know, throws a little, throws a little pass here and there and tries not to throw an interception. So I'm not saying he looks out for his stats, but I'm just saying he's just he doesn't. He's not one of those quarterbacks that's a high risk, high reward. So with that being said, forty mil, man. I I won't give it to him. Thirty mil, hey. Sign that contract. I don't know what the how much length they gave him for that contract, but either way, I mean, hey, I'm not an agent, so his agent and his sources wherever they're informing him. Whatever's gonna happen, I don't know. But Dallas, I don't see them making the playoffs this year. Zeke, if he ain't getting paid in Dallas, someone will pay him. Someone will definitely pick up Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> But either way, I'm going to take a quick little break and y'all are listening to Injured Reserve Podcast. Welcome back to Injured Reserve Podcast. So recently, as of well, last night I believe there was a open workout seminar. You know, this always happens a week lead up to some big fight for UFC or whatever brand you—Bellator, boxing. Nate Diaz prepping for his fight against Anthony Showtime Pettis for this upcoming weekend. Uh, He openly sparked up and uh, smoked a a joint So, as we all know, the Diaz brothers, they're infamous for, you know Having a past of failing drug tests over marijuana Now, this isn't so much an issue health-wise Everyone knows nowadays marijuana is not that big of a deal Never has, never will be but the problem lies is when it comes to the standards and policies and procedures of the UFC and USDA. So basically what Nate Diaz did, he's, during these open workouts, he sparked up a joint. And we all know, I mean, when it comes to drug testing, that's, it's going to be like no surprise when it pops up uh, when he fights Anthony Pettis. And obviously Dana White's pretty heated about it. I just don't get why Nate Diaz felt the need to do this. And I elaborated that it's been three years, ring rust, since his last fight in the UFC in the octagon against Conor McGregor in their second rematch in which Conor McGregor won by decision. So the question lies is like, is this really one like kind of One last hurrah for Nate Diaz Uh, His brother Nick Diaz Hasn't performed in years Not since fighting Anderson Silva Back in 2015 That was four years ago And which both Tested positive for some I think Diaz I think it was marijuana And Anderson Silva It was originally ruled A decision win for Anderson Silva But it it got turned to an old contest Because both Uh, Nate Diaz, or was it, excuse me, Nick Diaz failed the drug test for marijuana and Anderson Silva failed the drug test for steroids. Now, obviously, it wasn't like steroids as in guys that, you know, work out and train. It was steroids for recovery, things of that nature. So that match got turned to a no contest. Now, Nate Diaz, I think... This is one like one final send-off for him personally, and he just hasn't said anything yet. Um this is his one last big fight in the UFC against Anthony Pettis. He's 34 years old. And you know, he he he's made a name for himself. The man's beaten a lot of great people, definitely future Hall of Famer. Um so Personally, I think I just have this theory that this is his last fight in the UFC. He's, uh, you know, his resume, it just, you know, it represents itself. He's beaten guys like Donald Cowboy, Cerrone, Jim Miller, Gray Maynard, had some lethal fights against Conor McGregor, Rafael DeSanios, Josh Thompson, Benson Henderson, Roy McDonald, Melvin Gallard, so his his legacy is intact, no doubt about it. The you know the crazy thing is is that during his whole career, though, unlike his brother, he's never failed a drug test. So I'm just wondering if this is something that he's just you know what I'm done, and I think he just I don't know. I think I think he's going to retire or possibly switch. Uh, switch brands. Bellator's been signing a lot of people that have been unhappy with UFC in the past. You know that Bellator recently signed uh, Josh Barnett to a multi-fight, uh, multi-fight deal. A lot of fighter Benson Henderson has gone over there. Uh, Roy McDonald, a, couple, a lot of fighters. You know they 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 voiced their opinion for. Their displeasure in the UFC And how they conduct business And they're just unhappy So I think this will be Nate Diaz's last fight in the UFC He doesn't care He doesn't care what Dana White says Uh, And that's what they're infamous for The Diaz brothers both Just do not give a damn what anyone thinks And that's what I love about them You know they, they, they state their opinion And then they just talk trash And go out there and fight so, they're, they're lethal on the ground when it comes to their Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu background and being trained by the Gracies. And not only that, they're very dangerous on their feet. They're known for their boxing background as well. They get trained for boxing. So, it's just, and they're also known for their taunting in the, in the Octagon as well. So, Nate Diaz, I believe this will be his final fight in the Octagon for the UFC this upcoming Saturday. And that's the co-main event, and he'll probably either say he retires or you know this this was it. And you know, as because I I I believe the their marijuana policy in the UFC is very strict. Uh, to my opinion, it's very uh, unfair because with I believe Nick Diaz, he got suspended for a long time just because of a marijuana policy. And he failed that drug test, I think, twice, and, you know, and they suspended him for like, two years. And it's just, it's crazy because, you know, you have other athletes out there that have tested positive for a lot more worse things. And they're, you know, they're suspended six months or a year. Marijuana has no effect on their game whatsoever but it is what it is it's policy of usda i don't understand their procedures and i don't agree with it not not all of it but it is what it is so th- i believe this will be his last fight with Pettus. and then of course the the headline main event and as i prev- previously stated my Podcast or the podcast before that, Daniel Cormier versus Stevie Miochik for the heavyweight championship for a rematch, in which I already voiced my opinion and I believe Daniel Cormier is going to win a second time, successfully defending his heavyweight crown, and the fight that we all want to see in a John Jones Daniel Cormier trilogy fight. With that, I think my prediction is possibly. <sighs> I think Daniel Corme goes out there, knocks out Stipe, and after that, I think he makes one last call to John Jones, but meets him at heavyweight, and there you go. We got the setting right then and there. So I'm hoping. That's, that's my prediction, and we'll see how things go from there. Uh, John Jones has stated in the past that he'd be more than open to joining the heavyweight ranks. he be, be, you know, and it makes sense. As I, I I know it's not like a broken record, but it makes sense. John Jones's resume, his legacy. He's beaten every guy you think you could think of growing up uh, watching UFC. The Stephen Bonners, the Rashad Evans, Rampage Jackson, um Mariso Shogun Rua, Leo Machida. I mean, man, the the list all these guys were former UFC champions. Or light heavyweight champions. So it's just... Man, there's just... It only makes sense. In his recent victory against Thiago uh, Silva. Which, crazy enough, that man fought majority of the fight through a torn ACL. Which is unheard of. So that adrenaline rush must have been nuts for him. And he's he definitely one of the toughest guys out there in the UFC to fight on an entire... Fight five rounds with John Jones with a torn ACL. So, John Jones, Daniel Cormier trilogy fight for the heavyweight crown, champ versus champ. Daniel Cormier, we all know him. He's definitely gonna be one of the greatest of all time. Uh, you can make an argument they can be on that that monument of for all time greatest fighters, but and I, he. I, Personally, I think it, it burns him up inside that he just, the only fighter he lost to was John Jones, not once but twice. And granted, it doesn't show on there because one of the fights, John Jones failed the drug test, so it got turned to no contest. But still, I mean, he beat him in that fight, so it just burns him up. And he, I really think they'll set up a trilogy fight because uh, that's the only guy that's in his way. Daniel Cormier, again, another guy that's beating everyone you can think of. He's beating Josh Barnett. He's won the Strike Force Heavyweight Championship. He's beating Antonio Bigfoot Silva. Um, he, he, he's beating Steve A once. And again, I, I think he beats him a second time. He's beating Anderson Silva. He's beating Anthony Jones. Uh or excuse me, Anthony Rumble Johnson. Um, he's beating Alexander Gustafson. I mean, this man, he fluctuated from light heavyweight to heavyweight, won the heavyweight championship, then won the light heavyweight championship when he got vacated by John Jones when he failed his drug test, so it only makes sense, and I feel like deep down he knows when he won that light heavyweight championship, it was, for some people, I guess you can call it quote-unquote a paper title, a paper champ. Because he never defeated the real champion John Jones and the title was just open for vacant at that time after he failed the drug test so he felt like he never really earned it so yes he earned it by defeating someone else for the light heavyweight crown but it wasn't John Jones it was vacant and so he feels the need that I, I personally believe they'll set up a trilogy fight but it'll be in his setting at heavyweight. And I think that'll make that fight twice as more interesting and more entertaining. Because Daniel Cormier, he's a heavyweight fighter. He probably... I mean, he, he heavyweight fight night he comes around. He's 5'11", so he comes around 230, 240. So, I mean, when, and when he cuts weight for a light heavyweight, that kills him. Because, I mean... He probably walks around 250 for the most part and then cuts back uh, around 10, maybe 15 pounds for a heavyweight. And so he's just a tank, you know what I mean? Just a a walking tank. And so when he has to cut about 30, 40 pounds for light heavyweight, it takes a lot out of him because you're training and then you're losing weight and you're trying to stay strong for... Um, muscle and have endurance. That's a lot on your body, especially if you're prepping for a fight that's about to happen in what 12, 16 weeks. So uh, the training camp feel like would be a lot more lenient for Daniel Cormier if they scheduled a fight. Say, let's see, it's August now, so September, October. Make it say probably November. Right, or possibly December, make it a New Year's Eve fight or some, somewhere around there, you know, um, 12, 16 week training camp where you can just he can just do he can he can feel comfortable in his own environment knowing he's gonna fight a heavyweight and he be able to increase endurance uh, just as much and uh, his muscular endurance as well. Training at heavyweight and prepping for John Jones instead of cutting, uh, watching a little bit more of what he has to eat, stricken his his diet, uh, constantly sweating, constantly doing cardio, doing a little bit more cardio than when it comes to repetitions on the ground or striking, things of that nature. So a Daniel Cormier and a John Jones trilogy at heavyweight, that's why I want to see it, and I hope most of y'all want to see it because it's just a different pace. It's a different setting. Daniel Cormier, uh heavyweight title fight against John Jones at heavyweight as well. John Jones' very first debut fight, uh, debut bout at heavyweight. But with that being said, I'm going to take a quick little break, and you all are listening to Endured Reserve Podcast. What is going on, everyone? Uh, welcome back. So, I know it's been a minute since I've done a video game review. And for those that don't listen, please feel free to skip. But any of y'all that got the platform or PlayStation 4, excuse me, <clears throat> I'm not, I, I may have stated in the past that I'm not big into online multiplayer. And that seems like the big trend nowadays, right? That's the big genre. Uh, the apex legends the fortnites the call of duties the A- uh what pubg and the big trend is always been the battle royales right as i stated before as i uh, stated before um, <laughs> I, I, I i rarely buy uh, sports video games like i said i pre-order nba 2k20 with Dwayne Wade on the front cover just because he's one of my favorite players. So it's just a special occasion. Well other than that, I'm not really careful the sports games, the Maddens. I miss NFL 2K and I damn sure miss college football. But I for the most part I play video games just you know for my favorite genre of just storytelling. I love a good story, and I'm one of those weird people that I can replay this story over and over and over again and never get tired of it. Uh, I've I'm I've replayed Metal Gear Solid 5 probably four or five different times now. Uh, the Last of Us probably four or five times for maybe even a little bit more. Um, Amazing Spider-Man for PlayStation 4 phenomenal. Uh, and um, basically that's about it. Or uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 I've replayed that through twice, which is a hard thing to do considering the fact that it's such a long storyline and there's a lot to do a lot of side missions um, I'll probably eventually replay it a third time but recently I picked up Days Gone uh, Days Gone the Collector's Edition actually um, it was one of those games I was pretty hyped about when I saw it at E3 back in 2016 and the game constantly got constantly kept getting delayed and it was developed by Ben Studios who those who don't know <laughs> And uh, I won't be surprised if you didn't. Ben Studios used to be uh, a studio back in the day that originally developed for Siphon Filter uh, for their uh, their franchise years ago. Back during the PlayStation 1 era. I played Siphon Filter 1, 2, and 3. That was one of my favorite games growing up. Um, and that was it. That was the last game. that. But I believe they just developed the first one. And after that... Uh, 989 Studios who is now defunct no longer developed uh, I, that was it Like that was the last of the siphon filter genre that was it but Ben Studios came back and they came out with this days gone game and I can't lie um, I was kind of skeptical and a little nervous because the criticism that I was seeing and reading a lot of people were unhappy about it and there were some bug issues this and that and that's kind of, I feel like that's kind of expected nowadays. Um, whenever a game first comes out, there's gonna be problems, there's gonna be issues. It happens. It's probably, I'm sure it's gonna happen when we Call it the new Call of Duty Modern Warfare comes out. There's gonna be some server issues and delays. But with days gone, I, I enjoyed the game. I love, I love the story behind it. It's not as impactful. Uh, uh, as like a last of us, but still I was intrigued by it. I was interested. And again, it's give you all those games where I probably replay it. I'm not, I don't play online. The last online games and it was destiny in uh, the division. I never, Like I said, I, I, the last multiplayer games I played were Destiny and The Division. I never played Destin, Destiny 2, and uh, I never played Division 2. Um, the problem is, is that when you play these online multiplayers nowadays, you have to have an affiliation with someone that you actually know online. You gotta have a mic. You have to have the communication. So there's a lot of, a lot of tactics and a lot of planning that goes, in a lot of strategy. Strategy that goes into this, which I don't mind. I, I, I. If anything, I support that. I, I, I like that idea, and to be able to have to have a, a you know, a teammate that y'all got to be, uh, have some attention to. But I, you know, it's just, it, excuse me. It's never been something that I've been big into and never cared for. Days gone. It was the only bad thing I really have to say about the game is that you got to have some. Uh, it, the shooting mechanics are a little iffy, but for the most part, it's not it's not too shabby. It's, you know, it's just it's, it's a thrill seeker. It's it has its moments where it's like, oh, that's kind of creepy, but not it's really not so much scary. It's just a lot of suspense. The story's solid. Voice actors did a solid job. I can't tell you who they are, but it's not as bad as everyone says it is. Um, you know it's just It's one of those games where it got a lot of hate for no reason, and it deserves a second chance it deserves a second look. So I'm not going to spoil anything for y'all, but day's gone don't Don't listen to what anyone says uh or what the reviews say i enjoyed it you don't have to pick it up if you don't want to i just you know and it's my favorite time of the year because a lot of games i look forward to that i've been waiting on for two three years are finally starting to come out about uh they always come out around the fall uh death stranding my favorite director video game director of all time and hideo kojima He's come out with Death Stranding, so I'm really excited for that. So, most definitely, I'll scope that out. And then after that, I feel like I'm missing one more game, but I'm not sure. But either way, I'm a story person guy. Never cared for the online genre. It's just it's meh. It's cool, and it's fun here and there. GTA 5 is cool. The story for that was cool. I thought it could have been longer when it came to that story, GTA Offline. Uh, the multiplayer is really fun, we will say that, but other than that, it kind of just seems bland to me. It gets boring and it runs, it runs its course fairly quick. Now granted, GTA 5 and Rockstar have done a phenomenal job of constantly updating and having whatever missions they have, and the game is still selling like crazy, six years since its release, and GTA 5 is still relevant. That's what makes Rockstar so phenomenal. And they're about to do the same thing with Red Dead Redemption 2. So, when it comes to this development for GTA 6, it's going to be a long time till we see that. Not until the next platform. Not until the PlayStation 5 or whatever Xbox they're coming out next. Xbox One X or whatever. But, either way, I mean... Um, I'm a story mode guy. Days gone. If I had... I would give it a solid 8 out of 10. Uh, it definitely filled my need because I'm waiting on The Last of Us 2. And Lord knows when that, who knows when that's going to come out. That's going to be a while. Uh, but it's, I would have to say, um, let's see. If anything, it would probably be a combination, a little bit. Uh, Cause it's it, it take the it's it's open world which is dope about it, and you can do a lot of upgrades and mechanics things of that nature, and with your bike. I would have to say take the a Red Dead Redemption Two and um, probably The Last of Us that kind of setting, and you got Days Gone. That's what you got. I give it a solid eight out of ten. It's fun, and it's just like again the, the stories. It's stories phenomenal. Uh, shooting mechanics could be a little bit better, but for the most part, um, it was a fun game. I enjoyed it a lot, but um, either way, uh, Death Stranding, The Last of Us 2, that's pretty much the main pivotal games when it comes to storytelling that I'm really intrigued by and can't wait, and then until then, you know, I got days gone to fill my need. I'll probably eventually, <laughs> replaying The Last of Us 1, when that comes to lead up for that release, most definitely I'm gonna replay that one. Um But for the meantime, I'll I'll have my little my sports fill when it comes to NBA 2K20. Um I'm not I'm not good when it comes to online, but I'll give that a shot on NBA 2K. I never played online on NBA 2K, so we'll see how, how that goes. I I'm gonna to have to read everything into that and how that works with the My Career and the My Player, and they have a whole spew of everything with online multiplayer on courts and this and that and they got these coins so it's just like oh i don't know any of that but either way uh days gone eight out of ten definitely appreciate it um it's only a playstation 4 exclusive unfortunately but if y'all get a chance you got a ps4 scope it out it's 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 a fun game but I'm gonna take a little break and y'all are listening to End Reserve Podcast. One of the toughest things I hate reading in sports headlines especially when it comes to something that you can relate to, is a sports injury such as a torn ACL. I tore my ACL uh, around uh, eight years ago, Uh, senior year, football. I never got to play my senior season. Um, And one of the best ways to describe it, I guess, is how this injury occurs. It's, It's eccentric how our bodies work. It's like a rubber band, the best way I can describe it, is when your tendons and your joints, your joints, you feel like you're great, you know, you're taking care of yourself, you're working out, you're eating right, Think, doing from everything damn near A to Z on what to do and what not to do. Uh, but sometimes unfortunate scenarios happen, just like Achilles or ACL injuries, is that when you tear something especially like a, a tendon, um, the, the way it happens is it's kind of scary cause it can happen out of nowhere. Um, it's when you're moving at something at full force or stopping the dime or put your body in a, uh, an odd combo of putting your, 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 your joints in a, displeasure position that they're not supposed to be in and you move too fast or too quick and you end up snapping something right that's uh, that's basically what happened to me Um, it's it's weird because you you feel it pop and it hurts like hell and that's basically whatever happened uh God bless him. Hope he recovers. DeMarcus Cousins tore his ACL today. And it, it's it's a shame to see someone like that, especially a guy that young. He's only 29. Put in 7 great years at Sacramento, uh Beast down low 21-11. Then he goes to New Orleans, teams up with AD 25 and 13. Then comes off the Achilles injury, and while he's suffered a hip injury before, plays 30 some odd games with Golden State and uh, he still managed to put up 16 and 8 and um, man to see a guy like that he's, he's put in 9 phenomenal seasons so far 4 time all star it's just it, it just makes me think of other athletes that had to go through this adversity like a Tracy McGrady or Derrick Rose or a Grant Hill People forget, especially kids nowadays, that you know, athletes like that were great and then they just end up they end up just good. You know, Derek Rose goes from two, three seasons in Chicago becoming the youngest winning MVP of all time in NBA history, 21 years of age. Um, you know, willing his team to the playoffs, number one seed, all of that. Uh, again, uh, as I stated in my previous segment, he was kind of like a Allen Iverson, just a little bit more efficient. Um, six foot, not very big, six one, six foot, somewhere around there. <laughs> and very athletic, very versatile. Until one day he tore his knee, and that was it. So, and guys like Grant Hill, you know, phenomenal, comes in the NBA, but the knee knee injuries start to occur. Uh, He was a phenomenal player at Duke and could have been great, but injuries kind of sidelined of his career a little bit. Trace McGrady, another guy, was great for a moment, was up there at the time with Kobe Bryant in the mid-2000s for MVP Conversation. During his tenure at Orlando Magic, then going to Houston, but eventually injuries start to sideline him a little bit more. It's just a what-if scenario, and it's sad to see. Derek Rose having a he had a phenomenal comeback season this year with Minnesota. And now he's in Detroit. Uh, he was able to be efficient, shooting around 45-48% from the field, average 18 points a game. Had that fifty-point game uh, last year, uh, seeing the old Derrick Rose that we knew uh, eight nine years ago. So, and it's sad because a lot of you know a lot of kids that are growing up watching the sport, aren't going to realize how great he really was. It's just like again uh, another example: a Penny Hardway. When Penny before Shaq and Kobe, there was Penny and Shaq. Penny was able to put up 21, 25 a game, shoot 45, 48% from the field, but the injury sidelined his career, and it wasn't, it, you know, you didn't really hear much of him after his little stint in Orlando. He got hurt, and he wasn't the same. So it's just little things like that, and it's just like, damn, like he's going to be one of the, another one of those athletes like a what if what if he didn't got didn't get hurt man he could he you could have made a case for him that he could be a future hall of famer could have been a huge difference for this particular organization so it's little things like that that's hard to see and hard to watch so demarcus cousins tearing his acl still i mean he's only 29 9 seasons in still young but man it's just it's like clay thompson too and when you have a, one of the worst injuries of all time, especially back to back, like he has an Achilles and an ACL, that's a tough thing to come back on because you're never the same. And, and sometimes you do come back stronger after ACL, but uh, for my an Achilles and ACL, man, that's tough. And an Achilles injury, you can make, a, uh, make an argument that's one of the pivotal reasons why Kobe Bryant's career got cut short. If that didn't happen, he could have played at least one more season or two. But his body took its toll. His body was telling, his body was winding down. And come around 37, 38, it was like it's time, it's time to go. So, and these injuries like that, they shouldn't happen. And if they do happen, they shouldn't happen until way late in their career, like a Kobe Bryant. Not that I wish that upon anyone, but I'm just saying, when it comes to, when these injuries occur, it usually occurs to older athletes, and it's, they it, they literally push their body to the point where their body can't take it no more. Their mind and heart still have it, but their body is in shambles, and it's just one of those pivotal things, those signs, an athlete has to realize that, hey, Father Time is knocking on the door, it's, hey, it's time to retire. It's time to walk away uh, right off into the sunset. So, and this shouldn't happen to anyone. Clay Thompson, I think he'll come back just as strong. I think he'll come out just fine. He's in recovery mode. I think he'll be fine. He's still young too. But, DeMarcus Cousins, man. Plus, he had a hip injury and an Achilles. So, it's I I don't see him I mean we might but I don't see him coming back I don't think maybe at all next season but cause that's a lot of injuries to deal with and plus you get a uh, you, you got the threshold of just having to be able to, to train and get your body back in basketball shape things of that nature so if we do see him it won't be until probably I, I would have to guess probably until around 20 games left in the season but who knows stranger things have occurred um you know adrian peterson i mean granted it's a rare thing but adrian peterson he tours acl in minnesota and then what happened he comes back the following season and runs over for 2,000 yards so it's you know but then again i mean demarcus cousins isn't adrian peterson and adrian peterson has been widely regarded as to be a freak freak athlete and one of the hardest workers in the gym and recovery so it's 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 sad to see and who knows but i don't think when it comes to demarcus cousins and Pivotal injuries like Achilles and ACL, I do not see him coming back the same DeMarcus that we knew of Sacramento and New Orleans. And that's sad. He was one of the top five big men in the league, uh, you know, 25 and 13. So, and plus a defender too at that. He was a scary defender. But it's unfortunate. And this could be one of the Major reasons why his career could be cut short. Um, I'm, I mean, this guy could have probably went probably seven more seasons, but with this, it, I would say it, that'd be cut in half, three maybe four years, and that'd be about it. But again, this is all skeptical. But I, I hope he gets the best doctor and the best trainers that this and that. I wish him well in the fast of recovery. But, man, that's that's a lot of hurdles to leap. But he's 29, so he's still young. But uh, that's going to sidetrack him for a minute. No doubt about that. Oh, man, but, again, it's just he's, he's going to be, be one of those other athletes that's going to be up there with the Grant Hills, the Derrick Rose, the Penny Hardways. Like, man... It's like, remember so-and-so? Remember, you know, before this happened, before he got hurt, he used to ball out, right? He's going to be one of those ordeals. It's not a bad conversation because people still remember you, but they remember you for who you used to be, how you used to ball out, how you used to be dominant. I remember Derrick Rose watching in high school, winning Rookie of the Year, winning the MVP, Willing his team, you know, being a number one seed in the NBA. When the, the Bulls were scary good, when Joe Noah was in his prime, known to be a defenseman, uh, Lou Waldang, Chicago used to be dangerous. They used to be a dangerous franchise. They used to be, you know, a top four team in the Eastern Conference. Derek Rose, his hometown. That was the story that was supposed to be written. He was going to bring a title to Chicago since MJ back in 98. Uh, you know, a home a hometown kid bringing a title there. Uh, it was supposed to be almost like a LeBron James-like when he did uh, for Cleveland. So, uh, I don't think a lot of kids remember Derrick Rose for that, and that's sad. And I remember Derrick, like I said, Derrick Rose, he was... The dude that can stop on the dime, be so versatile, makes these crazy layups, switch one hand to another, do these crazy crossovers. His ball handling skills very, very underrated. He was, he was basically the ball handle skills as Kyrie Irving, dinking and dashing and dunking things of that nature. He was fast, and that was, and he was known for that. He was known to be quick and be able to stop on the dime and drive down to the hole whenever he wanted to. But in that one instance, in that one play, when that ACL snapped, that all went away. And he, he had to revolutionize his game a little bit. He had to change everything, basically. It used to be drive the, you know point guards could be able to drive down the hole. Um, but that's not the case anymore. So <laughs> same thing for Penny Hardaway. Uh not uh, as I said. Steph Curry's known for his shooting, not driving. But before that, Steph, uh, Derek Rose, and um, a couple other point guards, seven eight years ago, they were known for driving down the hole. But it's just gonna be, you know, in that category of what if uh, athletes. You know, if they, what if they stayed healthy? What would happen? You know. What if Derrick Rose would have never tore the A.C. on Chicago? Would they ever won a title? Would they have uh, picked up someone in free agency to help elevate their team? Because they always had that hump of struggling against Cleveland when LeBron James was there. So, either way, it's just it's one of those sad one-ifs. But uh, I appreciate uh, y'all listening in. As, again, I try to stay as consistent as possible. So, with that being said, I appreciate y'all listening. in. it's Thursday. Football season less than two weeks away. I am hyped about that too. <coughs> Excuse me. My favorite time of the year falls in there. Leaves are changing. Leaves are falling. I love it. Uh, my my favorite time. I l- I love college football, oh, especially when you're in a college town. Like Central Michigan and every Saturday, just something to look forward to. Just the atmosphere, the college environment itself. It's fun. So, it's just it's something definitely to enjoy and just the scene itself. It just, summer's overrated to me. <laughs> but with that being said, uh, that's the final segment of the day. I appreciate y'all listening in. And this is In Reserve Podcast with your host, me, myself, and I, Mitchell Anderson. Y'all have a good one.